Chapter Twenty Two of That Affair at Portstead Manor by Gladys Edson Locke. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Missing Lady's Maid. Mr. Clavering left Wild Rose Villa in a chastened frame of mind. His worship of the heroes of detective fiction caused him to look with awe upon Mercedes Quero, the famous woman detective whose remarkable success in solving apparently unsolvable mysteries had made her the talk of every London club, and he regretted and felt uncomfortable at the memory of the rebuffs which he had thought fit to administer to her in her character of Mary Grey. There was another thing that troubled him. Lady Pevensey had not treated him fairly. She had professed to feel the utmost confidence in the safety of her necklace since he was at the manor, and yet, even while she was deluding him with false compliments, she had sent for this woman detective. He had one consolation, however. Mercedes Quero had not been able to prevent the theft of the necklace, whether or no she had been in any way responsible for its return. As a matter of fact, he had a second consolation. Mercedes Quero had reposed confidence in him, if Lady Pevensey had not, and had asked him to assist her. While breakfasting at the Portstead Arms, and again while waiting at the railway station for the London train, he drew out with a sense of elation a sheet of foolscap on which were pasted some torn scraps of paper. These bits of paper were portions of a letter extracted by Mercedes Quero from the wastebasket in Robert's chamber. They formed a by no means complete letter, as many bits were missing, in all probability having been swept up from the floor by one of the maids and burned. This letter, scrawled in an untutored hand, had been torn into such small pieces that Mr. Clavering, when they were first shown to him, had been able to make nothing of them. Indeed, the sheet of foolscap presented more or less the appearance of a jigsaw puzzle. It read something like this, the dashes showing the spaces between the pasted bits of writing. 1. B-A-dash-dash-E-T-dash-dash-E-T T-H-dash-dash-R-O-U-G-H w dash dash t a s h i l l dash dash e e p dash dash p r o m dash dash c o m e i l l s p e a dash dash e a s e c o m e dash 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 capital r o mercedes quero in filling the gaps said that the first two lines must form the writer's address and was probably meant to read one Barnett or Babbitt Street, the borough. In this way, calling on her imagination and supplying letters, and in some cases whole syllables, she had evolved the following, a copy of which Mr. Clavering also carried with him as a sort of cipher. One Barnett Street, the borough, without a shilling, keep promise, come, will speak, please come, Rose. Rose, as Mr. Clavering remembered, was the name of Lady Ursula's missing maid, and he agreed with Mercedes Quero's theory that she must have written to Robert, asking his aid and threatening some disclosure. Mercedes Quero said that the mystery overhanging the manor had reached such a point that she did not think it advisable to leave the village for as long a time as it would be necessary in looking up the missing lady's maid, and she suggested that Mr. Clavering go in her stead. "'I have a pretty shrewd suspicion,' she observed, "'of what the disclosure is that Rose threatens, and I only want my theory verified.' Otherwise, I should feel obliged to go myself. This remark had served to cool somewhat Mr. Clavering's elation at being chosen the coadjutor of Mercedes Quero, and he had responded, rather humbly for him, that he would endeavor to question the girl with all adroitness. 
"'And don't be too gentle with her,' the detective admonished. "'Women of this girl's stamp often will tell the truth only when frightened into it.' Mr. Clavering had assured her that he would leave no means untried to force the truth from the girl, and said that while he rejoiced at this letter, since it must be a factor in helping to prove Lord Meldrum's innocence, he deeply regretted that it must again bring suspicion upon Robert Sylvester. Mercedes Quero smilingly shook her head. "'I am not playing into Burton's hands, Mr. Clavering. You don't read between the lines.' "'But it is perfectly plain that this girl is threatening Robert with disclosure,' he asserted in surprise. A baffling expression came into Mercedes Quero's brown eyes. "'Are you sure it is Robert she is threatening?' He stared at her, astonished. "'Great heavens! Who, then?' She turned away with an impatient little shrug. "'That is for you to find out.' So it was that Mr. Clavering, with hope and fear in his heart, boarded the London train. Would Rose's testimony help to clear Lord Meldrum, or would it only serve to implicate him further? At Waterloo Station Mr. Clavering took a handsome cab. He had a deep-rooted mistrust of taxicabs, and was driven through the slums of Southwark along by the narrow, muddy, and malodorous bankside. As he had always heretofore kept carefully within the confines of West End London, he felt himself lost in this wilderness of obscure byways and mean houses, and had it not been for the view across the river of the Dome of St. Paul's, he would not have believed himself in London at all. Barnett Street turned out to be a squalid little alley twisting off from the bankside. At house number one Mr. Clavering inquired in vain for the lady's maid. No girl answering the description of Rose Harris was known there. Mr. Clavering was in despair until he remembered that Mercedes Quero had suggested that the figure one might be only the last part of the number. He tried then House Eleven with no better success, and with a growing horror of the unsavory neighborhood he found himself in. He was some time making up his mind to inquire at number twenty-one, for this had a particularly foul and hangdog appearance, and the lower floor front was occupied by a dingy tobacconist shop. Finally, he conquered his fastidiousness, and entering the shop where the fumes of stale tobacco smoke set him to coughing, he inquired for Rose Harris of the frowsy woman behind the counter. The woman eyed the immaculate gentleman distrustfully. "'What might ye want with Rose Harris? Mind, I don't say she's here.' Mr. Clavering recalled the instructions Mercedes Quero had given him for such a case as this. "'I know that Rose Harris is here,' he asserted firmly. "'She is expecting me.' "'Oh,' said the woman, her manner becoming respectful. "'So you're the gentleman she's looking for?' Fortunately, she had turned toward the door at the back of the little shop. Otherwise, Mr. Clavering's expression of mingled amazement and triumph would have betrayed him. "'You white ear, sir,' said the woman, as he prepared to follow her. "'I'll tell Rose you've come.' The woman was back in a few moments. Her manner now was profusely obsequious. "'She says if you go right up, sir, up them stairs, sir, second door from the ed." Mr. Clavering mounted the dirty stairs in a bewildered state of mind. What would Rose do when she found her visitor was not Robert Sylvester? While he stood deliberating at the top of the stairs, the second door was opened suddenly, and a flaxen-haired girl in a pink silk wrapper ran out into the hall. "'Oh, Mr. Thompson!' she began joyfully, and then stopped short, dismay written on her pretty, insipid features. Mr. Clavering regained self-assurance in the face of the girl's confusion. "'I think you know who I am, Rose,' he said severely. "'Yes, sir,' looking all the time as though she wanted to run away. "'I have something of a private nature to say to you, Rose,' he went on, "'and this hall is hardly the place.' "'There's my room, sir,' 
she faltered. A very wretched little room Mr. Clavering found it, bare and untidy. Rose swiftly and surreptitiously removed some clothing from the single chair before Mr. Clavering could sit down. She herself sat upon the carelessly made bed, swinging her little pink-slippered feet and trying not to look frightened. "'Why did you run away, Rose?' was Mr. Clavering's opening question. The girl paled and then flushed. "'I've left service for good, sir,' with a toss of her pretty head. "'You have been given other employment?' he asked coldly. Rose bestowed an admiring glance upon the silver buckles adorning her slippers. "'I didn't want employment, sir,' she replied with a very disdainful air. "'Rose,' he said sternly, "'you must tell me the truth about the theft of Lady Pevensey's necklace.' The girl went white again. "'Why do you ask me, sir?' she whimpered. "'I wasn't her maid.' "'But you stole the necklace,' he asserted, obedient to the instructions given him by Mercedes Quero. She had bidden him waste no time in preliminaries, but come straight to the point by directly taxing the girl with the theft. Rose shivered at the directness of the attack and sat a moment silent. Then she flung up her head defiantly. "'I haven't got the necklace, sir. You can search every one of my belongings.' "'I am perfectly well aware that the necklace is not in your possession now,' he answered. "'But what I want to know, what the police want to know,' Rose shivered again, "'is the name of the man to whom you gave the necklace.' This, too, was at the instance of Mercedes Quero, who had briefly outlined the questions she wished put to Rose. The girl locked her little hands together. She recognized that denial of her share in the theft was useless. She took refuge again in defiance. "'I won't tell,' she declared. "'You do not need to,' retorted Mr. Clavering. "'The man to whom you gave the necklace is the man whom you expected would visit you today. Thompson, Lady Ursula's former butler.' Rose quivered, but she stubbornly pursed her pretty, pouting lips. "'I shan't never say it was.' "'What is this man to you, that you should steal for him?' demanded Mr. Clavering, resisting a desire to shake the little minx. A gleam of exultation shone in Rose's china-blue eyes. "'He is going to be my husband,' she announced, with an uptilt of her rounded chin. "'Nonsense,' said Mr. Clavering sharply. "'The man has been deceiving you.' "'He hasn't. He daren't.' But the girl was all a-tremble. "'If he meant to marry you, he would not leave you here in this miserable place without a shilling.' "'He will come soon,' she persisted, but the lines of her face grew pinched. "'He gave me his word. His word is a gentleman. He's not really a butler. He's a gentleman, just like you, sir,' she added, with another flash of pride. "'He's a thief and a probable murderer,' objected Mr. Clavering with asperity, not in the least relishing this comparison of himself with Thompson. "'He didn't have nothing to do with the murder,' she flamed. "'It was Lord Meldrum. The papers say so.' "'The papers will soon tell another story,' said Mr. Clavering indignantly. "'But he didn't do it, sir,' she protested shrilly. "'If it wasn't Lord Meldrum, it, it must have been—' She broke off with quivering lip, as though a sudden suspicion had come to her. "'It must have been whom?' demanded Mr. Clavering testily. Tears were very near the girl's eyes, but Mr. Clavering refused to be moved and sternly repeated his question. "'Well, then,' she cried desperately, "'it must have been Mr. Robert Sylvester.' Mr. Clavering's indignation was extreme. "'How dare you wantonly accuse Lord Portstead when you have just now written him for aid? Have you no shame, girl?' She began to cry dismally. "'I don't know who did the murder, no more than you do, and that's a truth, sir.' "'But it wasn't him. It wasn't Mr. Thompson. He wasn't near the village then.' "'How do you know he wasn't?' Rose stopped crying and answered loftily. 
the very night i came here he went to lincolnshire to try and get back his ancestral estate that was took from him he has been there ever since my poor child said mr clavering not unkindly this rascal thompson is deceiving you i know for a certainty that he has not only been in portstead village but in the vicinity of the manor for the past nine days this statement had an electrifying effect upon the girl she sprang from the bed her whole face was changed its soft prettiness gone her pouting lips hard and set and in her eyes almost a savage look does lady ursula know that she demanded mr clavering caught the girl by the arm and now he shook her who is this thompson ask her ladyship she cried wildly ask lady ursula End of chapter 22